Hello, everybody, and welcome to North 100, a Canadian Highlander podcast. I'm Serge. Joining me as always, I have a Jer. Hello. I'm Alex. Yeah. And a Wheeler. Hello, yes, I am Wheeler. <laughs> a reminder, the North 100 is brought to you by you with your support of the Patreon over at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. Let's jump right into the opening segment, the best card that you're not playing. Up today, I have Jer. Jer, what is your secret tech? Custody Lich. It turns out that in one versus one magic, it doesn't take a lot for a card that says Monarch to be really good. <laughs> and this is another one in, along the lines. Uh, I've already talked about Regal Behemoth. You've seen the uh, exploits of Palace Jailer and oh God, Palace Jailer. Jeremy versus Ben yeah. on Friday Night Paper Fight. Yeah. Hashtag the gel is full. Yeah. Uh, so Custody Lich is a five mana creature. It's three black black. It's a zombie cleric, so get your, get your tribal tinfoil hats out. <laughs> Uh, it is a 4-2, so it got some FTK-like stats, and an FTK-like <coughs> ability. When it enters the battlefield, you become the Monarch, which is just great, great text. And then it says, whenever you become the Monarch, target player sacrifices a creature. So, if you're already the Monarch, that doesn't work. Uh, notable exception. But most of the time, you're going to become the Monarch, then they're going to sacrifice a creature. But then, anytime you reanimate this and become the monarch again, they also sacrifice a creature. Or if they just hit you, you don't block, they become the monarch, then you hit them back. But you get the monarchy and they sack a creature again. I guess, but you've given them that extra card, I suppose. So oh. like, But I, you also got an extra card. Yeah. I've, and I've, their card is negated by them losing a card by sacrificing a creature. That's fair. I started thinking of like five mana four two. I'm like, there's gotta be a lot of value to justify that that difference there. So the reason is, lots of decks want to include the Necrotal-esque creatures. Mm -hmm. uh, but the problem is, those those creatures are super polarizing. They're really, really great against mid-range and aggro decks. Yeah. But they're really, really bad against control and combo decks. Yeah. This card is still really bad against combo decks. <laughs> but it's really good against control decks, because you introduce the Monarch, and most control decks just literally can't beat that token. Right. Right. You just start to generate more value than they have counterspells. Yeah, it's like... An uninteractable planeswalker for most control <laughs> decks, which is just a nightmare. It's like, what if my Phyrexian Arena was free? <laughs> yeah, doesn't cost you life. Didn't didn't really cost you that much mana because you like get a sweet creature along with this. And this card is great with one of my favorite cards, Recurring Nightmare. <laughs> All right, but real talk. How many times have you got yourself counting on the sacrifice <coughs> effect, only to realize you were already the monarch? Uh. Only once. <laughs> I think exactly <laughs> once. Yeah, yeah. That's the kind of thing that only <clears throat> happens once. And you're like, never again. Yeah. Ones of time. Well, it's sort of an unintuitive thing, because you still become the monarch, but the monarchy doesn't change, so it's just like how the monarchy works. Interesting. Interesting. All right. Let's move on to today's theme. Today, we want to talk about the year-end Highlander Tournament Final that Lodi Ready Run is going to be hosting. So this Saturday... At noon PST, Saturday, February 2nd, the day after this episode goes live, we are doing an all-day Highlander high-end competitive extravaganza. Um, Jared, you want to tell us a little bit about the tournament format? Yeah, so the tournament format, it's going to originally start with 16 people uh, at a different venue. Then we're going to uh, wean that down to the top eight people. Only the top only the top eight can get to so, come to the moon so base? So half the people don't even get to get to show up but then we're gonna get sh gonna show all seven matches throughout the entirety of the the top eight which is going to be single elimination the quarterfinals and semifinals are going to be three rounds the finals is going to be five rounds uh there's going to be some sweet powerful magic heck yeah uh 
three of us are going to be on commentary. Boop, boop. Ben's. Well, yeah, I just realized the three of us, we should talk about who that is. <coughs> Myself, Jer, and Alex are going to be commentary. Ben Ulmer, otherwise known as Benjineering, uh, is going to be our fourth commentator place. And Ben the Wheeler uh, is the lone North 100 host who qualified for this tournament, so we'll see. We'll see if we see him on camera. I yeah. I I might LSV my way into the booth after I just like <laughs> dirt out because I have a tradition of just dirting out in the quarterfinals. I don't even think I got to the quarters last time. I just dirt out in these year ends Heck a yeah. lot. So we might have been. Back. You got to what is essentially the quarters last time. Yes. So yeah, quarterfinal dirt out. That's and you got to tradition. the quarterfinals the year before as well. Yeah. Oh no, you got to the semis, no, didn't I you? I got to the sem. Yeah, I got to the semis. And then you lost to Flash Hulk. Yeah. All right, let's throw back to Jer. Any other things you want to talk about the tournament structure? Uh, just a reminder that this is going to be judged at competitive REL, <coughs> so it's going to be a little different from the regular LRR streams you may mm -hmm. see. The players aren't going to be using the card reader. They're going to be focused on playing really tight uh, magic because it's not fair to ask a player to play a comp REL and. And remember the card reader? All those other things. So we're going to be doing the card reader manually in the booth. Uh, yeah, but it should be super fun. I don't right. think there's anything else we need to need to touch on. So today's episode, we want to introduce you, the viewers, into the archetypes that we think we're going to see. And, you know, we can't do too much in terms of prediction because, of course, Ben, as a competitor, might be in an awkward spot if he's like, I'm going to be bringing this deck and I expect, you know, whatever. So we'll... Yeah, well, well, Ben will talk about some of his thoughts, but we won't exactly be asking him to tell us what he's going to be playing. I'm, I might still just tell you what I've been playing. Ooh. I've always been well, very the open. The thing is, this episode <coughs> will be coming out after the deck lists are Ooh. due for the players, so he could just tell everyone oh, yeah. what he's playing Show and have any competitive implications. Show us your secrets, Wheeler. As All long right. as the footage doesn't get leaked. That's... <laughs> that's, that's fair. So, yeah, uh, basically, what what is the archetype? Um, how does it work? What is, how does that archetype win? And then why why we think a player would bring it? You know, how it's been doing in tournaments and stuff like that. What its best matchups are, what its worst matchups are. This way, this can be somewhat of a primer for you to go into the event and be like, what is Hoof? What is Pattern Rector? These, these sort of conversations. Uh, and then that way you'll be really ready. So let's start with something very spicy. Let's start with dedicated combo decks for example, Storm. Let's start off. Jared, tell us about tell us about Storm or the all-in combo deck. Uh, so there's a few all-in combo decks that we we may see. Storm is one of them. Uh, so it's predominantly trying to cast a number of spells up to a lethal tendrils of agony. Uh, typically using fast mana such as Black Lotus, uh, the best rituals including Dark Ritual and Cabal Ritual, and Yog Must Will along with the best tutors that it can afford to play. So Demonic Tutor, Grim Tutor, uh, Infernal Tutor, uh, to generate a lethal storm. This deck doesn't really play much interaction, but has a super fast clock. Uh, it's gonna play some, the interaction it does play typically tries to interact with blue, blue decks. So it's gonna play silence type effects, discard, occasionally it'll play defense grid or city of solitude type effects. And it's really just trying to race the race the creature decks. It may play an Aether Spell Bomb to remove uh, Troublesome Permanence, sometimes Lightning Bolt uh, to remove, say, a Thalia <coughs> or an Aven Mind Sensor, which are going to prevent it from doing its thing. But then I'd argue that 
actually out of the dedicated combo decks, Storm might have the highest density of stock disruption. That's true. Um, okay. Usually, like the sweet, as Jer said, it's mostly hand attack and spells that limit what your opponent can do on your turn, but they all add up. And they're mostly proactive disruption, mm -hmm. which is a big difference between some of the hybridized control combo decks that we're going to touch on. Mm -hmm. But being able to have these proactive spells also plays into some niche storming off situations where you'll like need to cast this duress a couple of times in one turn to get to a lethal tendrils of agony. <laughs> Or also just to remove <coughs> enough spells out of your yeah. opponent's hand. Or, or weird situations where you have to cast um, ill-gotten gains, which is uh, two black-black. Each player um, discards their hand, then chooses three cards from their graveyard, returns it to their hand, and you exile ill-gotten gains. And if you're against a blue deck, uh, or a deck with some kind of counter spells, you might need to return that duress back to your hand. To take the counter spell that they pick. Exactly, yeah. 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 So silly. So how did um, Storm weather the, uh, the Storm. points changes Ooh. over so the last while? Because I, I was under the impression that that uh, list had been killed. For a while, Storm was not able to play Black Lotus <clears throat> plus Demonic Tutor as its points, which is the traditional Storm points list, mm -hmm. point spread in this format. But it about halfway through the year, it got the ability to play those two cards together again. So it's... it's I take it that they're... they're Essential, not essential, but essential for Storm to be a top tier deck. I think is a more oh, more okay. apt statement. People tried to play Storm with different points. Typically, you would cut Lotus for other fast mana, or sometimes you would try to make do without Demonic Tutor. But they're both just so integral to the the fastest draws and the most broken draws the deck has that it's 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 definitely a tier below without those two cards. It's almost comical how different a deck, a Storm deck with Lotus DT is from a Storm deck without DT. Like, it sounds like you're just changing one card. And you but, are. And, and you are. <clears throat> well, you're changing Demonic Tutor, but including Demonic Tutor means that it's beneficial to have every two-mana transmute card as mm. well, which is something, so Dimir Infiltrator... So it actually changes... A larger portion of the deck than just the one card right. you see. Right, you're adding, you're effectively adding three more tutor spells to your deck by making that change, and it lets you slot kind of like how your game is progressing. So before, without demonic tutor, the the mainstay of the deck was get to seven or eight mana as quickly as possible, and cast behold the beyond hmm. or diabolic um, revelation. revelation. This just gives you earlier lines or 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 different lines. Well, right. yeah, then the. Then the three cards that win you the game are you get Black Lotus, Lion's Eye Diamond, and Infernal Tutor. Yeah. And Infernal Tutor in that case just sure. functions as a demonic tutor because yeah. you're going to get Hellbent with the either the Behold, the Beyond, or the Lion's Eye Diamond. So I want to ask, um, why do you think someone would bring this to the year end, and what do you think the chances are we see this at the year end? Are there are there in the top sixteen? Are there any dedicated combo players you think will expect this? Obviously. Storm keeps everybody honest. Uh, we're looking at Wheeler. Ye uh, yes, yes, so yes. There, there's two out of 16 <clears throat> players that have the capability to play this deck at a high enough level that they... Because it's a complicated deck. You, you yeah, can't just you, go in is, blind. This is not... Even if you're, like, 
an enfranchised Highlander player you've played for years, unless you've played this deck exclusively for more than more than twenty tournaments and practiced significantly at home, you're you're not going to be able to play it at a high enough level to to win this tournament unless you get so unbelievably lucky. <laughs> this deck is super hard to play. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's super likely we're going to see it, but it's possible. The reason you'd want to play it yeah. is because it's, as Ben mentioned, it's one of the uh, combo decks that is able to interact, especially with blue decks, quite well. Uh, and if you're expecting a slower, more blue field, blue field meta, then I think it's maybe the best dedicated combo deck to choose. And what are you what are you worried about? What are its worst matchups? Uh white based aggro. Oh, death and taxes? Yes. Like the list that won last year? Hmm. Yes. <laughs> and there there are a bunch of coin flips with other aggro decks as well. Interesting. All right, let's move on to our next archetype. I'm going to throw this one to Ben to introduce cuz he's got the most experience with it. Tell me about eggs and or paradox academy. These artifact density based combo decks. So it, I mean, they're really just that. They, they're they quite different, but they have a lot of similar key cards. Um, Voltaic key? Hey-oh. I'm leaving now. Um, <laughs> so they, they both mostly resolve around having a very high density of artifacts, upwards of almost 50 artifacts in your deck. Um, and playing cards like Tolarian Academy, um, playing cards like Voltaic Key, Got <coughs> or Got um, cards like can yeah, Candelabra of Taunos, <laughs> being a big one. For those not familiar with the Candelabra, it is a one mana artifact that has X tap, untap X lands. But that doesn't seem good. Why would you play something like that? Well, Surge, Tolarian Academy is a land that adds about 20 mana. Oh. Uh, <laughs> maybe a bit less, but. The, the two decks go at it in different ways. Basically, they both generate disgustingly large amounts of mana and then just kill you with a variety of artifact-based combos. Um, the Can you give one example? Sure. So, the one, a combo that is consistent among the, the two decks would involve uh, Tolarian Academy, so Legendary Land that taps that blue for each artifact yeah. in play. Uh, Monomo School at Water's Edge, which is a legendary land that normally taps for a blue, and then you can pay a blue and tap it to untap target legendary permanent. Yep. Mm -hmm. um, so it seems to go good with Tolarian Academy there to yes. basically double the amount of mana you can produce. Yeah. Um, what do you actually kill them with? Well, He's he's getting. There. I'll I'll get there in a second. Um, <clears throat> and rings of bright hearth. Yeah. Oh, three mana artifact that says whenever an activate whenever you activate an activated ability that isn't that isn't a mana ability, yeah. you can pay two colorless. If you do, copy that ability, and you may choose new targets for this. Yeah. So you would tap a Tolarian Academy for five mana, let's say, five mana minimum, which is easy peasy for that deck. Almost automatic in both. Yeah. You activate your Monomo to untap Academy. The triggered ability of Rings of Bright Hearth goes on the stack. You make a copy of the untap ability of Monomo 
and you have it target itself. Yeah, so it untaps Academy and right. Manamo, so you can produce infinite mana and then kill them with a variety of infinite mana dumps. Basically, yeah. yeah. There there are so many, it's hard to really cover everything sure. these decks can do. Like for eggs, I <laughs> recently I did a deck swap with somebody who had never played eggs before. They killed you with a brand new line you've never seen before? God, no. But um, <laughs> I, I tried to tailor I was really it. hoping that's what the story was. No, if anything, I tried to tailor it being like, you know how Thopter Sword works, right? Okay, try doing that as many times as possible. But there, like the the uh, the small sheet that I sent to try and give a guideline for like how to kill them mm -hmm. involved like fifty different interactions. All right. And so, and that's one of the strengths of these decks is that all these combo pieces interact with every other combo piece. So Voltaic Key can go infinite with Candelabra and Rings of Bright Hearth. But it can also go infinite with Sensei's Divining Top and Rings. Or it can just be a card that helps you get up to, you know, uh, Time Spiral mana. Or... I mean, sometimes just untapping your Grim Monolith is good enough. Yeah, exactly. Or... Alright. Why would somebody bring this deck? I think it's safe to say that I would probably be the only one to bring eggs, okay. but there may be multiple people that could bring the Paradox Academy. The reason... Ooh, ooh. I, I would bet I, there is a very high chance we will see at the Paradox <laughs> yes. Academy right. this yes. tournament. Um, the, one of the reasons to bring it is just how explosive the deck can be. Uh, the deck offers some of the fastest goldfishes in the format. And it has a lot of effectively wins, where if you cast a Time Twister or a Wheel of Fortune, any kind of draw seven magic card, um, you can basically toss away that hand that your opponent decided to keep and give them a completely random seven after you have deployed multiple mana cards into play. That reminds me of the classic Wheelerism, which is if you make your opponent draw seven enough times, they'll eventually have an unkeepable hand. <laughs> yeah. You live by the draw seven, <coughs> and sometimes, as viewers of last year's event know, you die by the draw seven. <sighs> Anyways, so the reason to play this is that a lot of the cards that enable you to get to your dedicated combo pieces or your very stock, easy-to-follow combo pieces can also act as win cons themselves. So there's a lot of redundancy, there's a lot of overlap between the cards, and there's a lot of cards, not just the wheel effects, that you can lock matchups out, but you're not winning, but your opponent just doesn't get to play magic for the rest of the game. So uh, playing something like a 10-10 or an 8-8 walking ballista Ooh. on turn three, is very good against a large variety of decks. That seems good. Um, or, or upheaval is another one. Technically, oh, it's not not winning you the game. Resetting the game through upheaval, mind slavering your opponent yeah, just up, for up, up, value. upheaval is is symmetrical. Yeah, reset. Exactly. No, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, everything and upheaval can actually be like a ritual in some of these decks. Yep. So it's yeah. Let you replay. Ugh. All right. I, I know personally one of the reasons why I fancy these decks so much and why I spent have spent so much time in it and keep revisiting them is that there's always new things to learn and there are there's there's just so much going on that it's really difficult to play against. All right. What hoses you? 
What, uh, pardon me. What hoses these decks, not Wheeler specifically? So, <laughs> Grixis Control is one of the big ones. Okay. Um, it's also an archetype that we we'll will get to, get yeah. to later. Um, but the the combination of artifact destruction through the disruption spells, the counter spells, the hand attack, that can be quite difficult. Uh, as well as decks, basically anything that can blow up a mana rock uh, or a key combo piece, but also have a counter spell for my draw seven or my upheaval. Um, and you'll find that across a couple of archetypes here. Um, Death and Taxes is also a little awkward for the Paradox list. I haven't found it as difficult to deal with with the eggs. This deck doesn't like Manglehorn very much, does it? No, it doesn't, Alex. And <laughs> neither do the Pilots. I hate that card and I wish it never existed. I was going to mention Red Green Aggro is another difficult one oh, for both right. of these the decks. Because deck of a, the, a lot of the Red Green hate, hate Bear effects are particularly good in the artifact matchups. Especially a new card they just received, uh, Cinder Vines. Yeah, that, quite yeah, yeah. good. That one might see some play. Yeah, red green enchantment that reads "Make target Wheeler sad." Yeah. yeah, whenever an opponent casts a non-creature spell, it deals one damage to that player, and you can sacrifice it to blow up an artifact or enchantment, and it deals two damage to that permanent controller. <laughs> yeah, so red green just has the highest density of ways to blow up artifacts. And enchantments and yep. they their their hate bear style effects are also particularly potent like immolating shaman harsh mentor yeah all right let's move on to our next one here i want to talk about hybrid combo uh and an example would be like grixis time vault decks alex you have much experience playing against the the hybrid time vaulty decks yeah you lose real fast <laughs> sorry not fast you lose abruptly yeah um because yeah. It, like Grixis Time Vault, you know, being on the receiving end, it's a Grixis control deck, which has the kind of things that you would expect. But also, just sort of in its back pocket, it has uh, Time Vault combo, which is to say it has Time Vault Voltaic Key, which are just a two card investment that has a very easy to tutor for or very easy to activate. Um, inexpensive mana way to just win. Take all the turns forever. The frustrating thing in the in the Grixis combo too is they have access to a number of planeswalkers that also just incidentally untap things. Uh, and I didn't realize this at the first time, but a lot of the pieces in uh, Kiki-Jiki combo can also untap your, your time vault. Mm. So you get to sneak in that combo as well. So yeah, I mean, it's just like, if a Grixis control deck was not hard enough to deal with. It might just be like, I'm bored, you die. <laughs> yeah, I, I actually think that we're less likely to see Grixis time vault and more likely to see either blue-black or blue-red time vault. Really? Uh, Cutting a color? Yeah, there's a reasonable chance there's going to be a non-zero amount of blood moons in this tournament. Ah. Uh, so cutting cutting down on your colors can really help there. And also the the... Players who have piloted Time Vault previously ha have played either the blue-red or blue-black versions more. And so the blue-black version is more more controlling and has access to better and more more tutors. You get you get more of the transmute spells. Yeah. And you have better creature removal, you have discard. And the blue-red version is you're you're gonna love this surge. It's like blue moon. Ugh. But they cut madcap. Okay. But they added Time Vault. <laughs> <laughs> uh oh. 
So so no no platinum Empyreon, but they're still gonna Blood Moon you. They're still gonna back to basics you. I mean, I, I'm fine they, with those cards. They, I think they use the the disruption that provides, as well as so it's just like the typical Blue Moon shell. They're still playing all the red removal spells. They're wow. still playing ten plus <clears throat> counters, all the cantrips. So why why is somebody bringing this deck? Uh, it's a deck that gives you a lot of free wins via sure. multiple multiple avenues, and it also enables you to play a, f a fair game. So like, I guess sort of like Alex said, you're like, oh, this is a good game of Magic. Oops, I win. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> you. this is a good... Hybrid combo typically beats up on, on control, unless control is really winning. Uh, it's a little worse now that the, the control decks in the format have started going lower to the ground. So there's never that turn where they have to tap six mana to play their sure. win con, and then you're able to tutor Respond, for a time ball yeah. combo and win. Uh, something that you're going to see ubiquitously throughout the, the time vault decks, uh, if they if we see them at all, is that they're likely going to have a gifts ungiven win condition. Okay. Almost all the time vault, successful time vault decks recently have been playing gifts ungiven, and the, you can get a pile that is time vault, yeah. voltaic key, uh, What's the blue one? Reconstruction. Yep. And uh -huh. Noxious Survival. Can you tell me about Reconstruction? Oh. Yeah, Reconstruction's a one mana blue sorcery that says return target artifact card from your graveyard to your hand. Oh, so two regrowths and your two combo pieces. Yep. Exactly. And this enables you to win with five mana on your next turn. So if your opponent taps out and you have four mana up and a gift sun given and a land in your hand, you just win. Huh. Well. Cool. Uh, what is its worst matchup? I mean, we talked about we talked about lower to the ground combo kind of disrupting its its original game plan. Is there anything else it it doesn't want to see? Uh, red green again. Yeah, same same thing. Like this this deck is also weak to artifact destruction, although more so instant speed artifact destruction. Uh, smashy, smashy. And something we haven't messed uh, talked about yet that I think this <laughs> deck is particularly weak to is tempo decks, but we're. We're going to talk about this later, maybe. But sure. We may not see much, if any, tempo in this <laughs> no tournament. No predators. So. Cool. All right, let's talk about a new deck. And the only way I want to introduce one is like, come on, come on, come on, hoof. There it is. It's not new at it's all. It's not new. What? It's what? been around for years. Cradle hoof. But I've never, I've never did the hoof, there it is joke. That's what was new. It's my intro. Okay. Not the deck. Alex, very you seem like you want to talk about Hoof. What? No, I don't. All right, Ben, you invented the archetype. Tell us about Hoof. <laughs> uh, yeah, so Hoof, affectionately known as Cradle Hoof, or AKA Cradle to the Grave, because you're going to play a card called Gaia's Cradle, uh, which for those folks at home that don't know, it's a legendary land that taps at a green for each creature you control. Uh, and then you play a million mana dorks. Um, you get to six mana, or eight mana, or nine mana, or very, like fifteen, or sometimes you only need four, very, very quickly. And then with that mana, you can do a couple of things. Uh, you can cast the namesake Crater Hoof Behemoth, yep. which is an eight mana five five with haste that says when it ETBs creatures you control get plus X plus X until end of turn, where X is the number of creatures you control and trample. So usually Hoof plus eight elves Cradle. And however many dorks you want to pump out, uh, kills them. Or it's lethal with Kiki Jiki, but we'll get to that at a different Sorry, time. Sorry, what? Uh, no, don't I thought worry it was about only it. 18, Ben. Okay, that might be a shout out to. Uh, Who's uh, playing Kiki days. Hoof? Uh, nobody <laughs> in this top 16, I hope. That's Absolute an, That's mad an old. There can only be one 
podcast. Yeah, that, that was just reference. a little throwback. Uh, but <laughs> okay. so now, as of Ravnica Allegiance, the deck has three functional crater hoofs that are worth playing. There's, there's uh, hoof hoof. There's yeah, you got hoof hoof. There's biggest pig. You got squid. Well, squid hoof oh, first. Squid yes, hoof. spaghetti uh, hoof. Decimator of provinces. The provinces or of provinces. I think it's of provinces. Decimator. Right. And survey says, and by survey, no duh. No duh. says, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on, of the, of the. Oh, point Wheeler. All right, so <laughs> decimator of the provinces cost ten colorless mana. It's an Eldrazi boar. Great combo. Uh, it's a 7-7 seven, seven that says when you cast the Decimator, creatures you control get plus 2, plus 2, gain Trample until end of turn, and it has Trample and Haste, but most importantly, it's it a has cast. a Merge. And a cast. it's a cast trigger. Yeah, that's, okay, that's most importantly. But right behind that is a Merge for 6 green, green, green. So that means you get to sack a creature, and then have the creature that you sacrifice, their CMC, um help reduce the cost of this card. So notably, there is a... I'll, I'll get to the sequence when we start talking about the fun little yeah, things Alex. you can do. Piggly Wiggly. Okay, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then End Raise Forerunners. Yeah. The, uh, new, the new glorious pig. E-N-D e dash. Um, yeah, this pig is... Oh, I love this pig. Biggest, uh, biggest. This is a very big pig. And pigs... Uh, um, Five green, 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 seven, seven, <laughs> vigilance, trample, haste. Why does it have vigilance? I don't know. Oh, it Are you going to tell a pig it doesn't have vigilance? And it gives all your other creatures vigilance. Vigilance and trample. Oh, wait! So, getting redundancy for this card that the deck is basically named after. Now, obviously, End Raise and Decimator aren't as good as Crater Hoof, but having all these multiples and getting up to this mana is not super difficult. I mean, you do have to drop down a couple of creatures, or maybe you know you uh, cast Natural Order. <gasps> uh, that's a good Magic card. She Basically, earlier, the yeah. key, one of the key cards, uh, easily the best card, possibly second best card in the deck. Le leads to the most broken draws. Yeah, for sure. uh, two green green sorcery. Additional cost: you sacrifice a green creature, and you search your library for any green creature and put it into play. Usually, that green creature is going to be Crater Hoof Behemoth. Occasionally. Uh, actually, more often than not, it's Primeval Titan. Mm. Yeah. Why is that? Well, I'm glad you asked, Alex. Uh, Primeval Titan is uh, one big mad lad. Uh, it's four green green for a 6-6 six, six trample. When it ETVs or attacks, you find any two lands and put them into play tap. Oh, yeah, so you can you, ramp you with find, this. No, 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 you find Dark Depths well, and Despian Stage. Well, yes. You'll you also find, find Despian Stage and Gaia's Cradle, actually. Sure. Yeah. Um, basically, it creates these lines of play where you put out this 6-6 six, six trample, that sets you up to make a 20-20 flying indestructible. Yeah. And so if they deal with one, they have to deal with the other. And that's really hard to do for Especially a lot of Especially on decks. turn three. Mm -hmm. Or turn two. And with more recent uh, lists of Hoof and different point spreads being tested out, um, it's being able to find Thespian Stage and Strip Mine or Wasteland helps knock off their mana for what possible answers they could yeah, have. Yeah, that's a good call, too. So it really limits how they can answer these All right, cards. Why, why is somebody bringing this to the tournament? Because you can cast a Primeval Titan on turn three. Search, that's really... If the, I may. I, all right, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> that's why. Do you actually think it's really good? Because it provides two game plans. In, in lots of matchups, you're not... You're, you're holding your natural order 
a long time, and you're just playing out your creatures, attacking, maybe trying to play a Planeswalker, and then when they tap out, that's when you get to combo. And it's really good at having, like, switching gears very quickly and ending the game with that switch, or just winning a fair game of Magic. Yeah, sometimes you just die to Elf Beatdown. Since so many of your threats in the mid-game, um, the deck plays, like, nine Planeswalkers right now. Kind of, it can shift between seven to nine, depending on your color spread. Um, but all these Planeswalkers, because they're green, they make tokens. And they stick around as a Planeswalker. So your opponent has to make a decision. Do I get rid of the Planeswalker? Do I get rid of the token? And if they get rid of the Planeswalker, you have another token that adds to your mana, adds to making your, your hoof bigger. Uh, it, it plays into stuff like Regal Force, if you really want to pop off. Mm. There's just... It's so flexible. Well, what is it? What do you think the hoof is, hoof's worst matchup is? If you're if you're bringing hoof, what do you want to dodge? Forked bolt. <laughs> yeah, um, forked bolt, pyroclasm, toxic deluge. Just early, early red and black sweepers. Yeah, the the blue white kind of uh, terminus or supreme verdict sweepers aren't as bad as you can. They often line up on the turn in which you can deploy a planeswalker, so it makes it pretty awkward as far as timing goes, but the cheaper ones because you only really need to do two damage maybe three damage to these to creatures board, if you if you're just using it to stunt the growth of the deck then yeah a pyroclasm a fork bolt will do um so i've always hated fighting uh volcanic island decks primarily uh jeskai is an app jeskai and grixis can be absolute nightmares um and I'm not a fan of the dedicated combo decks because this deck has so much speed to it. But if you're just racing against a, a demonic tutor or a black lotus deck, they might be faster. They can mostly ignore it, and yeah. then sometimes Storm will just like kick an Orm's chant against you, <laughs> and you will just feel so. You're like, oh, all oh, my mana ramp! I can't do anything this turn. I can't attack. You just can't really attack. Funny. You can't cast anything. It just feels really awkward. So. Right. I was looking for an excuse to play Golgari Charm, and maybe now I have it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. All right. Let's move on to our next archetype. Uh, Jerry, you want to tell me about a little deck called Kiki Pod? Yeah, this is actually the deck I have sleeved up right now. And I think this is actually one of the decks that got the biggest upgrade from Ravnica Allegiance. Because of our new uh, friend Birthing Blob? Yeah, Prime Speaker Vanifar, uh, which is essentially a creature version of Pod. So it has downsides, but it also has upsides in comparison with Pod, which is impressive because they don't often print cards that we can compare with pointed cards yeah. on the on the list. Uh, so the downside, obviously, is that this card has summoning sickness and can be removed from removal spells. Uh, but the upside is there's no mana or life cost on the activation. And sometimes that really costs you in pod when you're trying to go fast against an aggro deck. Yeah, and are there any ways to untap creatures in this game? Yeah, several. <laughs> Uh, so you're going to typically find the same ones that you have in pods. So you're going to have your Deceiver Exarchs, uh, your Pester Mites. Uh, the four mana ones is where it gets tricky because Felidar Guardian blinks it and Restoration Angel also blinks it. So that, that doesn't work for Vanifar because she'd enter with Summoning Sickness again. Yeah. But you can play Breaching Hippocamp, which is probably <laughs> probably the Sorry, best one. Sorry, what? Yep. Uh, three, three and a blue flash Hippocamp. enters the battlefield, untap another target creature you control and you're just using it to bridge the gap it's a between... horse fish <laughs> yep 
Yeah, it, it turns out Allegiance is not the only set so, with rad name combinations. Yeah, and it, not an unstable either. It also it also combos with Splinter Twin and Kiki Jiki. Huh. This um, card is not. This card has seen more than zero play. Yeah, but <laughs> even before tournament this. winning decks have played the Hippo Camp. But I think maybe the most exciting things is it enables you to play cards like Quarian Ranger and Scrib Ranger, our best card you're not playing last episode, uh, because it enables you to return a forest to untap a creature. And so these lines weren't even available before in with Birthing Pod, because there are no one and two drops that sure. are are playable or were played in the deck that untap. A pod. I haven't seen this art before. That's a very. I like that art. Quite Is a lot. It online? It's cool. a Magic Online promo. Oh. Mm. Okay. Um. So yeah, there. This actually enables lines and may change up the deck. So we'll see if anyone's gonna put in the time to test with it and and sort of where they get to with that. So why is somebody bringing this deck? Uh, it's it's the toolboxiest deck that we're going to see in this top eight. You're, the, there's so many creature tutors. You get to play so many silver bullets. It's so tunable. You can you can add in tech cards for every matchup. Uh, it has a fast clock on its best draws. It can win on turn three. Uh, it has a lot of resiliency. There's a lot of... There's a lot of redundancy in the cards. There's a lot of recursion in the deck. If I may bring, bring up a uh, bad beat from last year's championship where okay. I fought um, this deck and the my, my opponent, the pilot, the, uh, the pat pod of the pat pod, if you will, um, <laughs> was able to include so much combo hate hmm. Within the deck without missing a beat. Oh, cool! It, the the disruption package, and this is stuff that, as a combo player, you can kind of expect there to you know whatever like a minimum amount of cards that they have. But it's so hard to know just exactly what tools to play around, and then boom, your thing gets spell quellered, or you mm -hmm. get Trigon Predator then in turn, or corded for even mind sensor. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! Oh, that's gonna hurt. Yeah. All right. What uh, what is Pot afraid of? Uh, so it depends on what you choose. Like, you can't beat everything with pod, but it depends on what you choose. Like, if you bring in a bunch of combo hate and you're cutting things like Huntmaster and Kitchen Finks... Yeah, if you don't have life your, gain... Your aggro matchup's right. gonna suffer. If you have Kitchen Finks and Huntmaster in your deck, your combo matchup's gonna suffer. If you don't have Glenelendra in your deck, your control matchup's gonna suffer. Like, it's entirely up to you. There, are, There is a core of the deck, and then you have six to ten flex slots that you get to play with. It's like you have to choose and a strength and weakness. Yeah, yeah. You, you just... This is a deck that can have game against everything, so you can put, like, two cards in for each, or you can put, like, use all six yeah. of your flex slots on... It's definitely a deck that really favors reading the room. Sure. Yeah. For sure. All right, Alex, if you'd be so kind to introduce our audience to our favorite bride maid, Sandra Bullock. <laughs> Pattern Rector. Yes, I was going to say known to the Germans as uh, Pattern Rector. This is uh, a creature-based Abzan uh, combo deck that uh, largely revolves around um, deploying uh, Protean Hulk and doing some shenanigans with Protean Hulk. But you get to Protean Hulk by way of Academy Rector, mm -hmm. who goes and finds Pattern of Rebirth, yep. mm -hmm. who goes and finds Protean Hulk. <laughs> Yes. And you do this with a, a sacrifice outlet, another creature, and 
Academy Rector. So you yeah. sacrifice the Academy Rector. Can we just read what uh, Pattern Rebirth does? And oh. keep going, Jer. Yeah, so Pattern Rebirth is three and a green. It's a, an aura. Enchant creature. When the enchanted creature dies, that creature's controller may search the library for a creature card, put it onto the battlefield, then shuffle their library. And so Protean Hulk is a seven mana creature, five green green for a 6-6, six, six, although the 6-6 six, six rarely matters. Oh. Uh, when in this deck. When Protean Hulk dies, search your library for any number of creature cards with total converted mana cost, six or less, put them onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. And the other key card is Academy Rector, which is three and a white for a 1-2. When, when they're put into the graveyard from play, you may remove them from the game. If you do, search your library for an enchantment card and put that card into play. So when this dies to your sacrifice outlet, you choose to use the ability Exile It, go put Pattern of Rebirth onto your other t creature doesn't matter what it is at all uh sacrifice that creature go get protean hulk sacrifice protean hulk and then you can win with a ham sandwich yeah you can you <laughs> can yeah, a ham sandwich there, there are, there's a million different yeah. ways just just one please well uh <clears throat> murderous red cap is or kitchen things are the two most well-known uh ways that's often how you would have seen this in modern and old extended formats yeah. Yeah, and then there's various ways where you can add levels of protection. Yeah, you can. You can also, importantly, it's it's red cap or um, uh, kitchen finks, right. and you'll need Malira, Anafenza, or Malira, or Anafenza, or, 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 or a bunch well, of ways to loop it over. Yeah, and over. You, you don't even necessarily need the Malira to be anymore. involved yeah, yeah, in yeah. the loop. It's just a a way to add another layer of redundancy so that if you because this deck just I mean you play so many creature tutors you play so many random dorky threats well if we're talking you, about creature tutors why play this over pod that's a very good question well, uh, <laughs> you get to play duress you get to play thoughtseize you get to play you play uh, maelstrom pulse uh, you can play Maelstrom Pulse or Abrupt Decay, or yeah. you get. I, I think Jared. Assassin's Trophy is probably the, yeah, the one they're going for now. Uh, but another reason is you get you get uh, Black Tutors as well. Like this is a deck that gets to play Diabolic Intent. Mm -hmm. Most of the versions <laughs> are playing Demonic Tutor, and as Ben said, you get access to to the discard package, and so that gives you a better combo matchup. So where Kiki Jiki, unless. Unless you drew your hate or a tutor for the hate, you don't have a high, super high density. And so you're sometimes a little slower getting to those. Whereas this deck has it, you're often playing Tide Hell of Skeller, you're often playing cards like Mesmeric Fiend. Uh, you're playing the three discard spells and you're playing black tutors. You're able to get earlier discard, disruption. discard yeah. more reliably and earlier. And not that Pod necessarily has a bad matchup against aggressive decks. Pod can just die to a random Colossal Might or Price of Progress. Um, whereas um, Pattern Rector, you can gain so much life, you can craft just a bunch of big butts on the board that you don't have to worry. Your game plan can shift from, all right, well, I'll try racing them and build up enough defenses so that I ideally don't lose. But with Pattern Rector, you can go, okay, I'm going to get out a Siege Rhino, <laughs> and they're going to try and kill it, and if they do, I'll Karmic Guide my Siege Rhino. Yeah. <laughs> so what you're saying is it's a combo deck that is not fragile. Well, it, it is. It's, it's more fragile in its combo. I was going to say, the reason, like, what's its worst matchup? And then I think Jer wants to jump in there. Uh, 
Well, I think it depends actually what it what its worst matchup is. Uh, it's likely a control deck. Uh, it's it's a little clunkier in its combo. It doesn't have the the flash creatures that Pod usually has, so it's almost always playing at sorcery speed. I definitely but feel playing against it. It's easier to disrupt this combo than it is to disrupt a Pod chain win. Yeah, but this deck can also just value value control decks out, and they have black hate bears. Like Camball is absolutely backbreaking against a lot of combo decks. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, also, very very good against control de control decks. Uh, so. It, it once again depends on the draw and what, what they choose to do with their flex slots, but I think this deck in general is, as Ben was getting at, better against aggro. Uh, probably slightly better against combo, but worse against control, is what I would say in general. Well, we've, we've talked about control a lot, uh, and I've grouped this up because uh, in the interest of time, I don't think we can talk about a bunch of different control decks separately. Um, but I, from our research, we're expecting to see the following control decks. Four color control, <coughs> Blue Moon, Jeskai, and Grixis. Um, let's throw to our resident control expert, Jer. Jer, tell us about control decks, um, how they want to win, and why you think we're going to see them. Uh, so these decks want to try to use... Uh, their primary game plan is to bury their opponents in card advantage, typically via Ancestral Recall. I'd be surprised if any of the control decks that would show up won't be on Ancestral Recall. It's entirely possible. Uh, but uh, typically, you're going to see Ancestral Recall in the in the blue control decks. That's the marquee card, and their other points are either going to be analogous cards like Dig Through Time or cards to find them, such as Merchant Scroll or Mystical Tutor. Uh, then they're going to try to disrupt their opponent early with removal spells and counter spells until they can land, like wear their opponent out of cards, land a threat that will often recur advantage, like. Jace the Mind Sculptor or Kess Dissident Mage, hmm. sure. and then just make their opponent not feel like playing the game anymore, often before that card wins them the game. Um, we're talking about a bunch of different types of control decks. Do you, do you, reading the room, is there one that you expect to see? I would lean, I predict we will see Jeskai or Grixis over the other two. Okay. I think there's enough deck, well, it depends, it depends. Like. I think there's going to be some mono-red decks, which we'll touch on later, which makes me not want to play Blood Moon, hmm. uh, just because it feels really bad if you're leaning on that to be disruptive. And that that matchup is often worse for the for the blue-red deck. Uh, so I think it has a higher variance, which is not where I'd want to be in this tournament. Uh, and Jeskai and Grixis, the card quality is just so high. You get so much disruption. Jeskai is probably slightly better in the fair matchups, getting access to white removal, uh, getting access to lightning helix, war leaders helix, swords to plowshares, path to exile. Uh, those are just premium cards in the fair matchups, and Grixis is slightly better if you're expecting m more other blue decks and combo decks, getting access to the discard and slightly more counter spells, like you get access to counter squall. And... Uh, what is the if you're if you're sleeving up control? What are you hoping to dodge? Uh, mono red, basically. <laughs> well, it, I mean, it's Je Jeskai has a fine mono red matchup, but Grixis, yeah. Grixis, and Blue Moon are probably slightly unfavored. But it all depends on your build. You can build. These are once again decks you can build to beat anything if you want to. So, it, it just... it, you, the, you're hoping to dodge the opposite deck for what you expected to see. You're like, mm -hmm. I'm expecting a lot of aggro, and you're like, it was all combo. I'm hosed. Yeah, like if you really want to beat mono red, I probably wouldn't play a blue deck. That's just... <laughs> if you're... Well, if, if you're playing Jeskai, 
or Blue Moon. I think you can be a you can feel maybe a bit safer against like the traditional mono red decks. Be it again the Lightning Helix cards, um, being able to madcap with Counterspell backup, mm -hmm. um, and just protect that Platinum Imperium. Um, I mean, yeah, you do have you know games where you will draw Blood Moon, but that's just the cost of including that kind of card in your deck. Whereas something like Four color, the four color control deck or Grixis don't really have a good access to life gain spells or good life gain spells. <laughs> um, and so they, those two don't want to fight red, but at the same time, if I'm playing Storm or if I'm playing Eggs, then I'm happier to fight Jeskai or uh, Blue Moon than I would be to fight sure. the, the black control decks. Yeah, control is always that, that deck that. Tries to tries to guess tries to read the room and then yeah. either uh, wins or loses accordingly. Yep. <laughs> um, all right, I suppose let's move on. And this is this is a deck that I wish I was more familiar with, but I'm not, and I can't introduce it even though it has my first. Is it because it has a certain word? Yeah, a, a certain word that starts with the word L. It's mm. four color lands control. Uh, and I've I've made some three color lands control, but I'm going to throw to I'm going to throw to Ben here. What is this four color lands control deck, so, and why don't I know it? It's more of a mid range deck yeah. uh, than a control deck. Um, the, you why I'm not sure why you haven't heard of it because it does everything you love. Ooh. You strip mine your opponent into oblivion. Yeah. You cast Titania to bring back yeah, your yeah, yeah. lands. Um, it's basically the evolution of the four color blood deck in our format. Wait, what? Yep. Yep. It's it's going. It you're went going from four color blood into lands, not lands into mid range. Because I started from lands combo, and then I started getting more and more mid range. See, I was going to ask whatever happened to four color blood. So, you don't have to wasteland your opponent a million times to win the game. If you just do it twice or once, even or at least even threaten to do it multiple times. Um, and you back that up with pressure or additional disruption, you're probably going to get that W. Um, but with uh, basically four color blood, always kind of struggled with getting a very solid list, I want to say. There was a lot, the members locally, the members even internationally, always kind of had these wildly different builds. Sure. And it didn't pop up as much, it started to peter out. It, it just felt like the, the attention was better turned to other mid-range decks. Um, but with the points changes to allow for non-blue decks to have access to some fun little tools, um, this four-color lands deck is able to have a stronger disruption suite without sacrificing on the pressure. Huh. Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Uh, what is it... Why is somebody bringing it? Like, do you think anybody in Room's going to bring it, or is this just sort of a meta deck that could show up? I think there's a possibility for multiple copies of this deck. I have got to see a list. Oh, I can't wait. And what does it want to dodge? It's a mid-range deck, so it kind of has game against everything. Right. It's going to suffer more from drawing the wrong half of its deck than not being overall prepared for any given matchup. It suffers the classic, you ask the people piloting this deck, and they'll give wildly different answers to the people who are saying, like if they're like, oh, I have a bad combo matchup. And you talk to the combo players, and they're like, what are you nuts? I'm getting thought seized and even mind sensors. And strip mines. Or like, yeah, I beat red decks all the time. 
and the red decks are like, no, I just priced a progress and fire blast <laughs> them, and they die. What's yeah, going it's on? It's so easy. All right. Uh, let's move on to our next deck, medium red. Oh, yeah. Alex. I mean, I, I don't want to take this one from Ben, but this is like a weird... Okay, so Big Red went to the gym and got <laughs> jacked. No, it's Just like, like cut some weight or red something. Red deck wins, God. Well, oh, okay. medium. So medium, or they met in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> medium. <laughs> Big Red had a New Year's resolution to just trim it down to be all muscle. Yeah. And it thought, hey, you know what was cool when I was younger and playing Bowmat Courier? Hop on in, little guy. <laughs> and so it's it's kind of this red variant of death and taxes, in that it plays. You know, you'll have low drop threats like Bowmat Courier like Earthshaker Kenra. Um, you'll have a large disruption suite from these creatures as well uh, when you're looking at the, the smaller ones, so like Harsh Mentor, which was mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. But really the soul of this deck is just a whole bunch of snowball creatures, which is appropriate as viewers of recent Friday Night Paper Fights will see. I like playing Snowlands in this to really maximize the amount of removal. Are you shredding you people out with medium red? Oh, I'm shredding them with scred. Oh, scred. Uh, Snow-covered mountain He's in this. Scrying, scrying some sheets. So, but I. You the, played the, sheets? Oh yeah, but the the snow the, so the, the snow isn't the biggest important thing. The, it, that was just a, a tricky segue that added extra time to this review. Okay. Um, um, but the important thing is that there are so many cards like Goblin Rabble Master. Yeah. Um, or le even lesser known cards like Hanweir Garrison. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. For those at home. Uh, it's two and a red for a two-three human. Question mark. Is it still oh, human? Yeah. Is uh, it I think it's a human soldier. There we go. Yeah. Ooh, uh, whenever the garrison. Wheeler two, Jer zero. Yeah. Whenever uh, the garrison attacks, you put two one-one red human tokens into play, tapped and attacking. Melds with handwear battlements. Are you has... also playing handwear battlements? Oh yeah, you're playing handwear battlements. Mostly because it adds colorless mana. Because they, you tend to also have access to cards like Thought Not Seer yeah. and Reality yeah. Um So you just have these snowbally threats backed up with. Uh, lightning bolts, yeah. flame slash. How many dragons you on, my dude? Five. <laughs> <laughs> Has many dra Oh, more than five. Five at five. Five at five. Or four at five. Play you play so many dragons. All right. You play the four drop dragons. Territorial um, Hellkite. And oh. this deck, it's funny because ultimately it's fair, but God, is it being dominating. This Sweet. deck is so... And it's so much fun. All right, what are you afraid of running into? I haven't found out that yet, but <laughs> I am. Is this what you're bringing? No, I, I you're, will admit I'm not bringing hat. medium red. All right, I'm disappointed. Yeah. Um, disappointed. We are likely to see this. We will, yeah. So um, we may need to leave this. But I, I, I believe that the difficult matchup for this deck would be something like Jeskai, or something like a white deck that. Is more not necessarily death and taxes, but a white deck that will be casting cards like Brimaz. Sure. I think white green mid range is likely a rough, rough yeah. matchup. Yeah, big enough butts to combat you know a lot of the removal or the the threats the red deck is playing. But you might also have to two for one to get there, and the card advantage isn't quite there. Yeah, I feel I feel like a problem with big red. It might be experiencing medium red too. Is the ability to run out of gas? Well, that's the benefit of medium red. I think uh, in comparison, is you won't have you don't play a lot of acceleration. 
Um, you will play, you know, Chrome Mox, that kind of stuff, Ancient Tomb, um, to get to three and four, but that's it. You want to get to that number um, quicker, but you don't necessarily need to get to six. And because of the snowbally creatures, all of them have to be answered. Sure. And if one goes unchecked, GG well played. Well, let's talk about medium reds, uh, younger, more aggressive brother, RDW. Don't talk to me or my son ever again. <laughs> Alex, you want to introduce uh, Red Deck Wins? It's the deck that's always good in every format, no matter what. Yeah? Mostly. Mostly. <laughs> Mostly. Like, How does it res win? results may vary. Uh, well, it casts 10 lightning bolts in a row. I'm, yeah. I'm only slightly exaggerating. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Mono Red is just all the most efficient burn spells and all the most efficient, like, aggressive creatures in a vacuum. There's not really any synergy. It's just, like, a big pile of, like, face punches just a over bunch and over of jabs, again. It, it's like hockey fight dot deck. You just grab them by the collar just and Donnie just keep Brooke. feeding them shots until <laughs> your arm snaps or they pass out. This card got or this deck got some nice upgrades as well from RNA and light light up the stage and skewer the critics. Yes, skewer the critics is pretty stupid as cards for this deck goes. I think light up the stage is better. I think that card yeah? is one mana up. draw two. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. So good. Yeah, this yeah. card light up the stage is uh, kind of busted. Skewer the critics is another bolt. That's it, great. Like, yeah. It's very good, but Light Up the Stage is I have not played really, with really, Light Up really the Stage good. yet. Are we here. expecting to see RDW? Obviously, you can't ever rule RDW out of any metagame. You always have to be prepared for it, or just hope you dodge it. But will Like we see the it? Spanish Inquisition, you should expect... Wait. We we have one of the reddest mages in the... Present, in the room? In the okay. top 16. No, well, not, not, not in the room. Well, I mean... Oh, pardon me. Yeah. But, but it's a deck that a lot of people that... Uh, are f a lot of players that are featured in this top 16 have some experience with because it's such a, a format pillar. Sure. And it's it's good. It's not like over, you know, red always has this like, oh, it's an easy deck and oh, it's no. you know, so stupid. But like sequencing yep. in this deck is super key and, it's, and you get rewarded when you do it properly. And decision making. Like yeah. so many times I watch a game where they choose when to start going upstairs differently than I would have done, or they they bolt creatures when I would have gone upstairs, and I'm like, holy cow, they won this game when I never would have. Like, yeah, it's really interesting. What what is RDW's worst matchup? Uh, well, it's not any particular archetype, but more just having access to life gain in basic lands. Sure. Um, mm. I've always enjoyed playing Jeskai. Versus RDW. Which has no basic lands, but a lot of life gains. No, basics. it has, has Jeskai Control has up to 9 to 10 basics. I was going to say. The, right. the mid-range versions, maybe 5 or so. But it's really just, you know, the turns of being able to, well, play Core Firewalker in your deck. That, yeah, that... Um, okay, okay. Playing, like, Seeker of the Way. Um, basically cards that gain you life, but also you would probably just have them anyways. Kitchen, Kitchen Finks and Night of Autumn is also yeah, real. This, One, this deck doesn't this really, deck. like... Bayloths either. Yeah, if the the green decks too can put up a pretty good fight by just having an X four. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right, let's move on to another aggro deck we've talked about a bunch. Gruel aggro. This is a list that we've talked about. Uh, is probably going to show up to prey on specifically the artifact based decks. Uh, Jared, introduce Gruel aggro, aggro for us. Uh, so the version we're likely to see, I think, is the red based with with some green cards as opposed to the other way around. 
Uh, this version is is faster and is plays a lot of the similar creatures as red deck wins with some of the better better green creatures in it. And then you play a bunch of the burn spells, but you replace like mostly the shocks with some pump spells and some more creatures. Interesting. So trying to go really really fast. Yeah, I actually think this is the fastest gold fishing fair deck. Hmm. Uh, due to the pump spells, the bigger creatures, and the haste spells. You know, haste, it haste just creatures. got a second copy of Colossal Might. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and it got Gruel Spellbreaker, which is a messed up magic card. Do you think this is playing that new Gruel Enchantment that gives everything Riot? Not no. this version. You want okay. If you're playing that, it's going to be in a, a bigger version. Sure. Uh, like a, a <clears> mid-rangey <throat> monsters style deck. Why, why are you bringing this deck? Uh... It's the fastest gold fishing fair deck I mean, in the format. All right, I just, just to see if there's a different Also, answer. you're really sore about Paradox Engine. You just want to, <laughs> like, yeah, press like, your thumbs into their eye sockets. This, this, this deck presents the closest thing to a coin flip versus the dedicated combo decks. Like, whoever wins the coin flip is likely favored. If you are, if you're taking um, the red decks, like, just a, a red deck versus the dedicated combo lists, and you have them just gold fish against each other, um, the red deck is going to, you know, it, it will probably just be whoever's on the play. There are, there's a lot more intricacies to yeah. it, but the, it'll be a lot closer, um, than if that red deck were replaced with Gruul because of all these, as Jerry said, the shocks. Like, if your shock gets turned into a giant growth or a brute force, like, that's up one damage. And a lot of these matches are decided by, like, one, one two point, points, two yeah, points. Very cool. Uh, what uh, what is Gruel? What is this aggro deck's worst matchup? Jeskai again. Sure. It's just, it's just like you don't want to see the removal spells. You don't want to see Brimaz across the table. You don't want to see life gain. All right. It's like white, green, white, red. Let's move on to the last deck I, we want to talk about today, which is last year's tournament winner, Death and Taxes. Alex, you want to do a brief introduction on uh, on that sort of archetype? White people. <laughs> it's um. <laughs> 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 it's a, it's it's not actually white weenie, but um, oh it is a white slash colorless ba base deck. Last year's winner was white with a very light black splash, yeah. but yeah, base white with friends. Mm -hmm. Hell yeah, yeah. It's um <laughs> both of them. How to describe oh. it? It's like it's an aggressive ish mono white deck it, that has a lot of hate bears in it. It's yeah. It's kind of like a I don't know. I don't want to call it a tempo deck and it's have an the agro, comments. Aggro control deck. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, yeah. control. Yeah, very similar to. You just have so much disruption with uh, attached to a clock. Yeah. Um, and like every creature is those two things yeah. in one. Like Thalia Heretic Cathar is a perfect example because she's a three-two with first strike. Great. Which is pretty great. Uh, also, creatures and non-basic lands your opponents at control into the battlefield tapped. Also uh, good. Yeah, also especially if you're against Oh, but both at the same pod. time. Oh, um, it's we we've gone a, we've come a long way from the early years of the format where I would sleeve up a suntail hawk and head off into the sunlight and kill people with honor the peers and whatnot, um, and they've been upgraded. And no longer are you just playing one mana two ones for one. You're instead playing maybe two mana two ones that restrict what your opponent's doing, and they have upside and yeah, the they are relevant quality. creature type. Yeah, it's just bene it's it's beneficial it's for you as a deck. <laughs> oh god! Um, will we see this deck on Saturday? 
There's a wow, chance. this silence. Uh, there's basically only one person who would bring it. I'll leave you uh, to guess. Hmm. Oh, sure. Yeah. Well, not me. I, 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 I only have one person on my list of who may bring it, and I don't know up, what, what they're going to play. There so. are upwards of three, I want to say three people that, that have... you think might bring it. Well, that at least have discussed with me. Okay. Um, on a player-to-player, player, hey, this is what I'm thinking about bringing. Like, I want to do these things. And they've all taken down events with this style of all deck. Right. So it's, I, I, I wouldn't be... Like, oh my god, look, it's all this D&D. Sure. But it's... You don't expect it to repeat of last year? Well, not if I have anything to say. All right, that's fair. Okay, uh, we're a little pressed for time, but I want to cover something really quickly. Here are a couple of archetypes that we don't think we'll see, and I'd like to discuss why. We don't think we're going to see goblins. Why isn't goblins showing up? Uh, slower and more, more disruptible than the other aggressive decks in the format. Yeah, so despite our years of talking about... Our love of goblins and and its pre prevalence, the word I'm looking for, maybe maybe no goblins. Um, we don't think there's going to be scapeshift. Why don't we think scapeshift's going to show up? None of the players who play scapeshift made it into the tournament. <laughs> <laughs> so good deck, but typically typically sort of a pet deck of certain players. Yeah, and it's it hasn't been played very much in the last year or so. Is it All a right. pet deck if it's tier one? Oh, I don't think Escape should do one, but that's a different conversation. All right, and finally, uh, this is probably a bigger one. Uh, we don't think we're going to see Tempo, even though we talked about Tempo being a deck that's going to give some people a hard time. Why isn't? Why are we predicting no Tempo? It's Tempo is an awkward deck or an awkward style of deck in general. There's certainly, I mean, there may or may not be the namesake of the Simic Sorensen Tempo playing in this event. Uh, players such as myself that have such an affinity towards this type of deck, but ultimately it's too... <laughs> Funny enough, I think a lot of it has to deal with the tempo players are also the combo players. Ah, <laughs> and, and, so, and combo's just better right now? Well, it's... It, it at least offers... There's more to be gained if we have a good combo draw than if we have a decent tempo draw, and sure. the prevalence of mono red can make it a little awkward right. to play a tempo hmm. deck. Well, uh, that's it for our tournament. So a reminder, the tournament goes live on Saturday, February 2nd at noon over at twitch.tv. TV. 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 Twitch.tv slash Lonely Ready Run. We'd absolutely love to see you there. You'll see all of us, Ben, possibly on camera or in the booth, depending on how he does on stuff. Also, really looking forward to our good friend, Ben Engineering, hanging out. Let us move to our closing segment, Powerful Magic. That's my own new song, What's Up? And up today, I have Alex. Alex, tell me, regale us with a tale of magical wonder. What's the most fun you've ever had with one black mana? <laughs> oh. I wrote this one down because I didn't want to. I didn't want to miss any details because it was so dang. Well, glad. you had me at that hook. I'm All glad. Right. I'm glad I got to witness this. So yeah, Ben. Ben was here. <laughs> I was playing against uh, a local player, just uh, jamming casual games, um, and I'm on black mold. Yeah. Uh, which is my Golgari aggro deck that I've been tinkering with for quite some time. Uh, and a recent include one in the the latest sort of revision pass was uh, Demonic Consultation. Alright, what does that do? It's a black. Okay. It's an instant. You name a card, then you exile the top six cards of your library, and then you keep revealing cards until you hit the one you named and exile the rest. Bold. So 
this <laughs> this hat this card has an interesting trait in a singleton format, which is you can cast it, name a card, and if it's in the top six, you lose. Yep. Yeah. On, the, on your next bottom, draw step. Or the bottom six, probably. Or the bottom six, probably. It's not as um, It's a really ballsy tutor. It's yeah. uh this is real cowboy magic. <laughs> this, this is actually no, this is actually this is jackass magic. Um so I'm playing and you know, sort of doing the aggro thing, and I'm just like, hmm. You know what I really want? Umazawa's Jite. So I cast this end of turn, I'm like, Jite. Okay. And I hold my breath and I flip the top six, and Jite is not there. Alright. So all right. first gate cleared. Easy, easy money, easy money. And all I right. start revealing cards and revealing some more cards. And revealing some more cards. Mm -hmm. Revealing some more cards, uh -huh. and some more cards, uh -huh. and some more cards. Okay. Um, it is the sixth last card in the deck. So, sorry, do you lose the game if it's in the top six or the bottom uh -oh. six? Uh-oh. Uh-oh. All right. Uh, so <laughs> what are life totals right now? What's the board looking like? Yeah, I'm the, not, I don't remember. <laughs> it's, it's honestly fairly even. This All was right. a very aggressive demonic consultation. <laughs> I was just like, yeah, okay, right. well, I've got this Jite, which is, okay. you know, tough to beat. Um, so, so I I continue with my my plan, and the next card I peel is Green Sun Zenith, <laughs> <laughs> which has an interesting uh, trait or characteristic, shall we say, in this context, which is. <clears throat> when you cast it, it shuffles itself back into your library. Yep. So this is the one card that I could have drawn that will keep me from decking out for the rest wow. of the game. Wow! But wait, there's more. Okay. I cast it mostly as a joke. X is three. There's a hit in the last five <laughs> cards. It's the juice. Yes. All aboard. Oh, beep beep. No. It's uh yeah, it's it's um drag mangler. Um <laughs> so I get that out on the board. I'm just like aggressing, aggressing. Um I'm taking out blockers with GT and oh boy. I won that game. Wow. Uh Sick. but it was just like it was very very funny. The, yeah. the sequence of yeah. draws. Beautiful. Just like ah. Ooh. <laughs> The best part about consultation is when <coughs> you are strapped in, there is no getting out. You yep. can't tell the roller coaster operator, I want to get off Mr. Bones' wild ride. You are on it until you hit that card. This ain't tainted pack. Yeah. Oh, this is and just... I'm glad you stuck through it. Yeah, no, I think I'm probably going to keep this card because it's just like, it's so exciting. Sure. <laughs> uh, I just want to add one thing before we conclude is that I wrote a quite extensive preview article for this Ooh. tournament. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we can include that link yep. in the description if you want even more hype for mm -hmm. this tournament. Mm -hmm. uh, additionally, I'm going to put uh, a bunch of work on Ben and I'm going to get a deck list for all of the archetypes that we talked about today. Ben of course maintains the uh, tapped out account for the Canadian Highlander database. So I imagine it's only a medium amount of work for Ben. It's medium. Yeah, it gets gets me updating some lists too. Awesome. And everybody, thank you so much for uh, watching our episode. Really looking forward to the event, which will be tomorrow, because again, this goes up on Friday. The event is Saturday. Uh, we'll see you there. Thank you very much. A reminder that North 100 is brought to you by you with your support of the Patreon over at patreon.com slash loadingreadyrun. We'll see you soon. Have a good one. Bye.